Hey there, everybody. It's Pete Yost for the Unbuild It podcast. But before we get into the podcast, I want to let you know about two outstanding events that are coming up in our industry. They are both BS and Beer Symposiums. The first one's going to be in Denver, Colorado, September 12th and 13th at the Blue Moon Brewing Company. And then the next one is in Charlotte, North Carolina, October 10th and 11th at the Lenny Boy Brewing Company. If you haven't been to these events, they're so much fun and so stocked with information because it's people that are at the top of the industry sharing what they've learned in the field. And uh, it's what's better than combining that with really good beer. Uh, these are outgrowth events from the BS and Beer series and content on Green Building Advisor. But this is where you get to you know do it in person. It's it's uh, absolutely outstanding. So do you have to remember all these details, which I'm going to repeat in a second? No, of course not, because you can go to bsandbeerkc.org and get all this information. But once again, if you're lucky enough to be in Denver, Colorado, September 12th and 13th at the Blue Moon Brewing Company, that's the first event. The second event, Charlotte, North Carolina, October. October 10th and 11th, Lenny Boo Boy Brewing Company. That's a mouthful. But anyway, uh, if you uh, go to bsnbeerkc.org, all the information for any upcoming events is there for the BSNB series. Sure hope you can join the Unbuild It podcast there. And now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Unbuild It podcast. I'm Jake Bruden, and today I'm joined by Peter Yost. Glad to be here. And we have a special guest because this is day two of the uh, 25th anniversary Westford Symposium on Building Science. Some of you may or may not know that term. Most of you that are uh, dorks like Peter and I. Hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since when does Peter defend himself for the word dork? <laughs> is nerd more up your alley? One of my nieces calls me Uncle Dolt. <laughs> okay. Thanks for so sharing. So Dolt, Uncle Dolt and I are are joined today uh by Ruben Rudisell that 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 thing that I was leading into that we got off track. It's Building Science Summer Camp. Everybody calls it Building Science Summer Camp. And uh as you heard uh in the last episode when Steve and I were joined uh by Roster Thule, uh one of the things that we're doing is we're grabbing some of the best building science minds in the country to answer some of your Q&A questions because we had a big stack of Q&A questions and we we're like, hey, why don't we just take these yeah. to summer camp and ask somebody to postpone going straight over to Joe and Betsy's backyard to drink uh, and come over here and sit with us for a minute. So uh, today Ruben is with us. Uh, can we say that you're an RD&I? Is that are we allowed to say that you're in the innovation department? I'm, I'm, I'm in the research and development department but it's uh we we include the innovation in that now uh, mm. as as one group so we're, okay. we're research and development is more close in and then that innovation is uh a little forward thinking okay you can so, see how they go together yeah, yeah and so i would say uh ruben is one of the people that was dumb enough to give me his cell phone number <laughs> and so when then, I have questions, I get random, random calls. From he gets Jake. random phone call in the middle of the day while I'm sure he's in a meeting or Wait, something. I thought I was the only one <laughs> yeah. to do that. <laughs> exactly. And so I call and then I'm like, I get the I'll call you back. And I'm assuming that it's partnered with a uh, <laughs> I'll call you back. <laughs> so there's I thank you for always. 
So you can you can assume, Ruben, that we are going to ask questions that probably have to do with structural panels in one way or another. Uh, Ruben has kind of been briefed on what we're going to talk about, but he's for the most part cold on some of these. And uh, because Peter's handwriting is absolute garbage, <laughs> Peter is going to write the majority or read the majority of the questions. And I'm going to be here for moral support and, and to go, well, I didn't know that. Wow. Thanks for the setup, Jake. <laughs> But Ruben, at, at, you're in the R&D and I department, but you've done an awful lot of things for Huber, right, over the years? Yes, yes. I started out as a uh, process engineer in our uh, commerce facility where we're manufacturing the product and uh, took several roles in the mill and worked there for five and a half, six years, and then moved down to our research and development group at that time and uh, worked on the ZIP team there uh, in R&D. And we've done all kinds of work together because you guys got a really strong R&D department. Pretty open-minded. Okay, so one of the questions we always get is, hey, you know, Jake, Peter, and Steve, they're always talking about, you know, the difference between generic OSB or builder grade and then the better performing. So how does a builder distinguish between, you know, the run-of-the-mill OSB and ones that perform better? Or what does better performing mean? So better performing OSB, I, I guess the, the first thing that kind of comes to mind for me, Peter, is the, you, you know, we've got our Advantech product, which uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with, but it has a, we are, we've got, there's a PS2 standard for all structural panels. But PS like performance standard performance, two? Yes, yeah. yes. Performance standard two. And there's a performance standard one for plywood. There's a performance standard two for OSB panels. Are those APA standards? They are, uh, yes, they're okay. APA and uh, TICO is the certification agency that okay. we, we we subscribe to, and they're they're kind of like the the minimum performance standards. So everyone's kind of graded to that standard. And then with like our Advantech product, we have a uh, evaluation service report uh, through ICC, the International Code Council right. uh, Evaluation Service, that has a a level of performance that's beyond that PS2. Mm-hmm. So it's higher strength and stiffness values and uh fastener holding and and other uh, mechanical properties to that to that uh to that standard. And so due to that there's some quality metrics that go along with that that we have to run tighter um tolerances on on the, on the quality standards there. And that's going to lead to a more consistent performing product uh, across the board. So it's a higher performing standard and it's, it's more consistent there. And, you know, each of us has been to your one or more of your mills. Um, does does the, the, the way in which your OSB is made or the, I guess, better, you have an awful lot of testing that goes on at your mill for all the board that comes through. Is that the schedule of what you do for te- for testing or quality assurance? I would imagine that's part of what makes your product a, a better board. Yeah. So there's a tremendous amount of quality checks that are uh, built in. So there we've got uh, process equipment controls that are monitoring the process continuously. And so that's a, a, a feedback mechanism we have. But and then we, we have checks that, that are done, uh, random checks that are random. But at the same time, it's it's. It's, it's on a 
set schedule, right? Like which, which they're monitoring, but they're just walking into the control room and, and you know following that press load mm-hmm. through through the end of the process, writing down all the conditions throughout the um, uh, process from the the logs coming in the strands and uh, the dryers, moisture contents, and they'll they'll pull those panels and do do the test on those. And so every four hours we're doing that. Along with you know quality checks throughout the process that, are they, that we're monitoring. Are they monitoring things like uh, relative humidity outside, like the, the the weather conditions? Does that affect you guys? The the weather conditions will have an impact on uh, kind of throughput and output of our our dryers, uh, bringing that moisture content um, and how the furnace runs. And so that has an impact on the moisture content, um, but we're, we don't really closely track that yeah. as, as far as uh, the outdoor ambient conditions. Ruben, another question we often get is, wait a minute, can, can, what can you make oriented strand board out of? Like, it, are there certain species of trees that are commonly used? Does that make any difference in terms of the quality yeah, much, of the board? How much does the wood basket affect? What comes out the other side? Yeah. So it, our wood basket is kind of, it's, it's a product of the location of our mills, uh, our right. Southern mills. So we've got um, four Southern mills that uh, using Southern yellow pond. And right. it's, it's right. generally, I'd say at most of our mills, 99.9%. There, there's sometimes some other poplar or sweet gum will, will get in there, but those are, it's, it's rare to ever, ever see that kind of come in. Um, and then I have a sweet gum in my yard. You can have drops and cows <laughs> and stuff, those <laughs> little. They really gum up the works. You know? Thanks, Peter. <laughs> so, and then uh, Northern Mill is Aspen based, mm. and but regardless of of that, the you, you know we we've got that same standard that we're and that we're measuring our product to the final product that's coming out of the mill. And that's that's the same across the board, and so they they set the mill up to run to that standard, and that's that's what we focus on at the end of the day. So, you know, they're both softwoods, and it's based on pulling from a certain mile radius, and yeah, the, that's why you located the plants where you did. Yeah, generally the wood basket is a fifty to seventy-five mile radius. Yeah, and uh, so. I've seen, uh, and I've seen this from Steve, uh, our, our missing co-host, a couple of times. He's and, missing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we saw it in a presentation this afternoon about um, some guys using uh, Advantech and Advantech sheathing. Mm. Uh, they were using Advantech in a roofing application, but I've seen it multiple times. Uh, I, I'm guessing most of the time I've seen it in coastal zones, high wind zones, Advantech sheathing, uh, is there, I mean, why not? But first of all, I didn't know you guys made it until a few years ago, but then the the question comes to bear of like, why aren't we making with the facer on the Advantech sheathing or why aren't we making a zip R product with Advantech sheathing or why aren't we, you know, you have all these different products and they don't muddle in a way that I feel like they might should, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, 
So, like, specifically, why aren't we just putting the zip coating on Advantech when it's sheathing or floor sheathing, for that matter? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a great um, question there, uh, Jake. As far as the Advantech, um, it's got a it's got a higher resin, you know, resin wood waxing resin loading than our our zip. We're we're using that same resin technology mm. in our zip product. So it's a little bit lower loadings, and then you know we've got the the seven sixteenths half inch and, and five eighths of that zip sheathing. Um, with our Vantech, it's got that higher resin loading, and it's it just costs more money. And uh, you know we we've done a little bit of market study there about putting a, an overlay on it. We do have an overlay on our flooring product, uh, X Factor product now. Which is basically our Vantech subflooring product with a with a similar overlay that we have on our zip sheeting, and uh, that's for a flooring application. There are so many questions I want to ask him right now that I know he will not <laughs> answer on the phone. Well, so it's interesting. So you 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 wanted to protect the Vantech floor more, so you put a polymeric coating on that, and that's even more important because it's installed flat, right? Um, so the next question is Wait, so what have you used have you seen the we should back up and say Huber is a sponsor just full disclosure. They all, we also really like Steve Ruben Smith. as a person. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not why we had Ruben on. We right. actually find this conversation very interesting and valuable. Yep. Uh sorry for anybody who is looking to sponsor the podcast just so that they could have one of their <laughs> RDI people on. Uh but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the X Factor product counts as a vapor barrier with the Hardwood Flooring Association, too, right? You, you, you're correct there, Jake. It does count as a vapor barrier. So if uh, there's an application or a need to have uh, a class two vapor control layer there, um, that overlay will count as that. So if you're doing. Crawl space that's yeah, crawl space and you've got wide plank floors or whatever the application, there there's a it, it'll meet that requirement. I wonder if my hardwood guy's still gonna say we're putting down number fifteen felt so that we can avoid squeaks still. Oh yeah. I mean I I've always assumed that that's installed between that's basically a slip sheet between yeah. the finished floor and the subfloor. But in reality, you're nailing it tight. So what? How much slip sheet do you get? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the wider plank, you have to have the glue assist. Yeah, and so with that glue assist, yeah, you're losing that. You you can't. Yeah, <laughs> glue, glue, glue in the felt's not going to give you much. Yeah, maybe as a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if some people were taking the Advantech and turning it vertical on walls. Then the next question, I guess, is, well, if you've got the polymeric coating on the X factor, could I take that and put it on my walls or my roof? So the answer for today is no, <laughs> because we have a... Uh, We're going to record tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, there, there's a certification process. And so for our current, our, our stamp that we get, at our product stamp, that uh, PS, PS2 stamp, is uh, certified for a flooring product and it's not certified as a wall sheathing product. Got it. So because you haven't done the testing, it's not to say that it may or may not. It's just, we're, can we take the stance that you guys haven't done the testing yet? And that's why it's, it, we, we, we haven't gone through the certification process. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, he so corrected I, that. He didn't say testing. He said, we haven't gone through the certification process. Uh, I will note that the last time that I went to, or the only time that I've been to the facility to hang out with you guys in commerce, uh, we took a, a, Jackson Andrews was riding with me and we took a wrong turn. And I was like, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. Like, and made him pull in. They had some things that weren't behind the gate that they were working on. <laughs> that, <laughs> that we were definitely late to what we were headed to because we stopped and fiddled. <laughs> we didn't touch anything, but we definitely were like, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know what's going on. We're going to now say that. Jake what, is what, the- what, what was my answer, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to label you the unbuild it podcast subversive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. We do get a lot of questions about um, when the zip R product has a, on the thicker end polyiso, you know, there's a tougher fastener schedule, longer fasteners. And uh, one question that came in was, well, really worried about <clears throat> overdriving those fasteners in a thicker zip R panel. Uh, what do you think about two things? One is turning down the nail gun pressure. So you intentionally don't sink the nail all the way and then hand nail it flush and or what about using a screw fastener in place of the ring shank nail? So the first first question there being turning down the pressure mm-hmm. and uh, underdriving the nail and then coming back. Pass. Hard pass. Uh, that, that, <laughs> it's too many nails. <laughs> well, that, that just is, is a lot of work there. Um, if. I mean, it. it if they have them driven flush at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's going to work and it'll, it'll be a suitable, um, s- suitable installation method, but it's, it, it becomes to be uh, a challenge on the work side. Yeah. And from, from that application standpoint, it is the overdriving on the zip bar, thicker zip bar sort of more of a, a performance issue than overdriven on just straight zip. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, w- what I've seen, and this is it, and it, I, I, we haven't done a tremendous amount of testing on this. So, but I think in, in many applications, people putting the R sheeting on or I, I would say a, a little bit more of a craftsman mm-hmm. or the, the, the framing crews that I see. That's me. There. That's us. That's you. He's yeah. talking about you. Oh, and, I'm glad and, you said that. I had no idea. And, and typically, I see a better installation um, as far as fastener depth with that. So um, it's sort of a self-selection process <laughs> on the. Well, like, it's an it's an upgraded cost yeah, on the material yeah. side, and it's an upgraded cost on the labor side. Like Fair. it stands yeah. to reason that if you're going to put a 16 foot wide window in, it's going to be a better window installed by people that are more confident. I saw a picture of the of the framer. He was like six foot five. Big burly swing a 20, 20, 28 ounce hammer. So I don't think he's afraid of the of no. the hand driving part. No. Okay. <laughs> and so now the screws. The screws. Um the screws is something that uh we don't we we when we originally tested product, we tested some large pan hand head mm-hmm. screws. Um and the the challenge with them is you have to angle those, which you can't see my hands as I'm pointing to show that. But um that's pretty good for me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, you you have to angle those in, but if you can imagine that pan head, that large pan head doesn't necessarily it'll sit at an angle and yeah. it, it, it's yeah. it's difficult to get that tape tape over that. I see. 
And with the 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 smaller screws or the smaller heads, the more typical um, screw with the the smaller heads on them, those screws don't have the same ductility as a nail. So the the nails have the ability to kind of resist that seismic load or get get some seismic loading from it. So the the cyclical load in in a shear wall application. So if it were to get racked some or forces get applied to it, it's going to be more ductile there. So th- I think what you're saying, I'm just making sure, is that the the screws are more rigid in terms of that Cor- type of movement? Yes, yeah. yes. I so it's calling them a duck. I'm confused. Calling them a duck? I don't know how you get up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and then hold on. Uh, Let's just for. The 101 level listener, uh, when we're talking about fasteners and overdriven fasteners, most times when we're talking about regular structural panel, we're talking about structural issues. They, they being Huber, have the added challenge of if it's a field fastener, we're also potentially affecting our WRB. So we have to be more cognizant with their product, especially in the field where it's it's not going to get taped. Uh, than we would have to be if we were just using a regular plywood panel or or a competitor OSB that doesn't have a facer on it of some sort. I think it's important to note that, that we're we're talking about structure mainly, Mm -hmm. but as soon as we bring the zip equation in, we're also talking about our WRP. And we've proven, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, Ruben, we built a five-sided box and mated it to the backside of two stud cavities. And then plugged our blower door into it and depressurized that like four foot by four foot area or three foot by three foot area to 100 pascals of pressure for like 45 minutes and sprayed the outside of the building on the other side of the wall There's of the zip bar. This is wing Did you not I'm know impressed. this? I, okay. With a garden hose and we couldn't get it to we couldn't get it to leak. And we had a couple fasteners that were. Barely overdriven, but not beyond, I think you guys say about 50%, you need to be concerned. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Which so, is probably good from a structural standpoint, too, because you've eliminated half of the hold then, right? If if you're going 50% in, yeah, you, you're you're reducing the structural capacity of that panel significantly. You know, the <laughs> APA allows up to 20% overdriven up to an eighth of an inch. Hmm. So you, you still have to meet that structural design capacity so if you you're overdriving nails you, you at the end of the day have to add another nail yeah uh yeah. to be in compliance with the the uh the, the code and the performance so just a couple more questions i think um the first one is that um i think what the international the the uh, institute for business home and safety the ibhs does a super cool stuff it's a lot of research and development about how to make buildings perform better in extreme events. And, um, you know, I know that Huber has some sort of relationship with them. And I just thought, hey, Ruben, what do you think about IBHS and the work they do? Yeah, they're, they're, they're an impressive organization. And uh, as you alluded to, they've done a lot with wind testing, hurricane storm testing, where they've got a huge laboratory in South Carolina where they can create hurricane force winds and blow on a full size house, blow building, uh, blow houses out of a building, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive at the same time, you know, we provided them, uh, some product to, to do testing on. And, uh, they, um, 
I have done testing on tape, sealed roof deck, and they they have a fortified program. Right, which, fortified, yeah. Which there, there's a there's a whole standard that goes along with that is to create better buildings. And uh, we've worked with them as far as um, some training there and mm-hmm. worked with uh, Fred Malik and, and, you know, just kind of educating our, some of our sales force on some of the programs that they have that are compatible with our, our systems. Yeah. And, and I met Fred Malik through the home building crossroads series because he's a part of that. Just really cool stuff on uh, roof performance. Um, and for our listeners, if you have not seen the video of how that lab works with the bank of like 90 turbine engine fans, um, I think they have to call the local utility, the electric utility, say, <laughs> we're about to turn them all on. It's also it's a, awesome. uh, a fantastic, like, you know, it's just populated by a bunch of engineers that have spent <laughs> three months getting ready for this or whatever. Right. And then today we sat through a present, the three of us sat through a presentation where he's talking about testing one foot by one foot squares on adhesion of primers and whatnot. And I was just like, that is not the same thing that the guys that work at IBHS get to do. Like one of them seems fun and one of them seems right. boring to me. They're both important. But the other neat thing neat about the Institute for Business, Home and Safety is it's all about risk. You know, the insurance industry has a huge incentive to figure this stuff out because, you know, they have to insure these buildings. So I think it's really cool that, you know, there's sort of an alignment, you know, between sort of climate change issues and insurance and actuaries. I mean, if you want to talk about the most boring job in the world, it, that would be an actuary. Actuary is, science. Uh, yeah. Looking cool. at data, running running simulations and uh, f- figuring out loss. Yeah. Well, yeah. and if, if you don't follow the work that Fred is out promoting, uh, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Just chances are you're doing it wrong. Like I, we take great pride in understanding what the manufacturers say. And I talked to Fred for two minutes and was like, well, crap, I am absolutely wrong in the way that we're doing a couple things that could be the difference between my roof blowing off or not. Yeah. yeah and at the end of the day, those things are not that costly. No, they're and, most of them are, are order of operations. Correct. Like it's the same products. You're just putting them on in the wrong order. Yeah. But a lot of it is like, what are the things we could do to improve that require like a very small amount of effort or change in material for really big gain? Yeah. Um, uh, before we leave this topic of sort of questions that folks are sending in, um, Huber has a 800 number that people can call to get pretty bloody good technical assistance. Um because you staff it with a yeah, group yeah we, of engineers. We, we've got a group of engineers there in our, our uh, office in Charlotte, and if you don't, if they if they don't pick it up, they'll they'll call you back shortly. Um, yeah, you, you usually <laughs> um, we, we we like to say within within an hour or so, but mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen. But same day, we try to get back to everyone. So, to our um, listeners, if we you know if we haven't covered it here, you can call and get much better advice from people who really know what they're talking about. Yeah than the unbiased podcasters, including the subversive. And I talked to uh, Mike that works up there that, uh, oh man, is it not Mike? Now I'm questioning whether or not it's Mike. We've got two two Mikes and two Nicks. Okay. um, (laughs) Dang it. Now I feel bad. Uh, And he said, yeah, when the, when we first opened the call center, it was like, you'd be 
busy day if you got two phone calls. <laughs> and it's not the same way now. There's a lot more panel to a lot more people asking a lot more questions. Okay. And then the last thing is here at the uh, Building Science uh, Summer Symposium, I learned about the SPS, which is the solid panel structure. And, you know, we're a podcast, so I have to describe it in words. But basically, you are creating a structural exterior wall. Not Huber, somebody using their products. I'm sorry. So that, but, but the solid panel is two and a half inches of oriented strand board, two different one inch and an eighth that are done perpendicular to each other. So it's cross laminated. Cross laminated OSB. So if you like CLTs, kind of similar to that, it's ah. cross laminated panels. So as opposed to timbers. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and go ahead. And so here's this two and a half inch <clears throat> solid panel. And then it's called the perfect wall or a version of the perfect wall because everything to the exterior that is the weather is at the barrier, the rigid insulation, the furring strips, and the cladding. So why are they doing this? And, you know, uh, Pat Hellman is from the University of Minnesota. He's part of the group that's been working on this. And Pretty sure it's open source, you know, so that anybody can explore this. But the idea was if you make modular type buildings like 24 by 32 and these panels are 8 by 24. The ones that we we, we sent them were 8 by 24. So 8 feet wide by 24 feet long. So some of them were obviously oriented vertical. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, some were not horizontally oriented and put in in sequence there. But this is for real. There's a report you can get from DOE on the houses they built. And uh, I just thought it was pretty cool that, Huber, you know, it's another example of Huber's sort of working the the, yeah. the margins and looking for uh, new ideas about how we build. Yeah. Pat was new. Some of our folks and just reached out and asked if uh, we would be willing to participate as a manufacturer in the DOE funded um, project. Mm -hmm. And so he, he led that project and we were glad to be a participant in it. And of course, plug for Pete's resources, because I'll certainly put down the report from DOE. And I believe Martin Holiday has a blog on Green Building Advisor about it. And I'll look that up as well. So um, just so uh, you use the term perfect wall. And I think we should talk very quickly about what perfect wall is. Especially since we're here at the yeah, since we're in Joe's, since we're in Joe's house, yeah. So the idea of a perfect wall is that if you if you shelter and have all the functions except structure to the exterior of the structure, then you have a perfect wall because it is experiencing the same conditions you are as an occupant, and it'll basically live forever. It'll have very stable conditions in terms of temperature and moisture, and so Joe would often say. Well, here's the perfect wall. And if I tilt it like this, it's a perfect roof. Yeah. And I, he used to actually take his uh, cas uh, cassette uh, slideshow and he would go back and yank the machine and go, oh, this is a perfect roof. And he'd tilt it and then he'd flip it up. So now there's a perfect floor. I think he busted a whole bunch of <laughs> slide projectors that way. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Joe's. It's, it's a perfect example of Joe's application of principles. That how yeah. they do. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Good you bring it, you bring all of your structure inside, and it's inside where nothing can bother it. Very cool. So uh okay. So that was a 
about six to eight questions. And uh, Ruben, can't thank you enough for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate being on, Peter. Jake. Tell us what you're working on in your office tomorrow. <laughs> it was worth a shot to see if we just go, oh, okay, and start talking. <laughs> I'll give you the same answer I gave you last time, Jake. <laughs> what was that? None of your <laughs> You know, we, we got some things in the works. Yeah. That's generally the way Ruben says it. So, you, know, you know, we're working on some stuff. There, you know, it's cool because <clears throat> they tell us what we can know and the rest we have to just stay tuned. So. Very cool stuff. I wonder how long we sat here in total silence before he would say something. Like if we could get him to <laughs> get him to I've talk. I've never We're, seen him crack. So he's between us and the door. He could get up and leave if he wanted. Uh, Plus, there's alcohol on the other side of the yeah, door. Exactly, so. <laughs> Ruben. It's a pleasure to get to work with you on stuff from time to time, and to just be able to bend your ear when I have questions. And uh, I think that our I think it's a, a pleasure to get to hear you talk about the products when. The listeners are involved too. Yeah. Well, I appreciate being on and uh, uh, appreciate being a part of the podcast and appreciate each of your uh, friendships. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he was going to tell people we're friends. Well, uh, we can add it. You know, <laughs> when I worked at Building Green, we used to say, if you don't like the people you're working with, why bother? Well, so there you go. I'm pretty much done with this podcast. Okay. <laughs> why bother? <laughs> And I just slammed the table. Yeah, you did. Sorry. Sorry for your ears, listeners. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thank you guys for both joining me today. We do have to wrap it up because there is food and wine and booze and music that needs tending to. Uh, stay tuned because we're going to attempt to do one more tomorrow with another surprise guest that you weren't expecting. And um, surprise guest is like, we surprised them. Yeah. Right? Well, we surprised <laughs> Ruben. So, uh don't forget the Q and a questions come from you. Uh, Pete very eloquently edited a bunch of these that applied to Ruben so that we could get through a bunch quick, but we have, I brought like 14 pages worth of questions with me that I was just like, Oh, we can feed these to some of the experts that we know. Uh, and we got those questions because they came to us from questions at unbuilditpodcast.com. Email them. They come to us. I will be perfectly honest. We answer most of them on the podcast, but Pete answers most of them before we get to him on the podcast because we know you're waiting for the questions and he's the most gullible when it comes to us <laughs> asking for his time. <laughs> the one that's retired does the most work. Do you know why I do it? It's because you guys are doing the social media which takes well, there you much go. time and i don't do that so i'll I do agree. instagram hey, I and do you the can... q a because it's also old-fashioned so. pete has no idea that our instagram account's been deleted <laughs> <laughs> that's how often he's on is that so. different than twitter did you get kicked <laughs> off elon musk thing all right I should, I should be quiet now on that note thanks for listening have a wonderful day <laughs> <laughs>